producer. Poducci? Poducci. We're on the That's kind of swaggy, We're on honestly. the Poducci podcast. Poducci. It works. Thank you, Ryan. This, the sound of my voice reminds me of the, the wood of these walls. <laughs> it makes yeah. no sense, but it, it just sounds cozy and woodly. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Shout out, Ryan. It's weird listening to your voice, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. Like, when we get out of this, you're going to be like, what the hell is normal I'm not going to vape as much on this, so I'm just taking my vapes now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did, I did an interesting, we don't have to even add this in, but an interesting thing, I was talking to someone about vaping yesterday, and I've noticed that some people I know that are, like, extremely successful and content and just have so much going on, they don't vape. And I've noticed that people that have a little more struggle and a little more not fully together in their lives, it adds a little bit of sweetness mm. to kind of make things kind of cohesively just flow. And I was like, interesting, because like I actually talk to people that like they don't vape, and they're like, I just have all these things going on. I don't have time to vape or this and that. I don't need it in my life. And I'm like, I understand that, and I don't want to do this forever. But there is an aspect of it when I'm producing or when I'm working that like it does add like a little bit of like a zing of like comfort. No, the nicotine it helps. It yeah. gives you the comfort. Yeah, because I, I don't even like. I do the zins now. I don't what are zins. It's like the pouch. Uh, yeah, it's like a little pouch, oh, but okay, it's like spitless. Sure. Really? Oh shit. Yeah. Are they better than vaping? I mean, I think it definitely is for your lungs. It's not for your lungs, yeah, for sure. Because yeah. I do want to switch off. I mean, it's just. I'm enjoying it right now, and it's like not. Do you want to try a Zen right now? I mean, if you want, will it make me feel crazy? Well, yeah. If you're not used to it, it might not make for you. Yeah, feel not, I'll do crazy. it like maybe after. I'll do like a third of it or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll give me. you one after. You yeah. can try it out. But vaping's bad though. Don't vape. It's no vaping. No this vape. might no not vaping. make it on the podcast, but it's don't all good. vape. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all good. Cool, dude. Well, we're we're here. We've we've made it. I try to, I've been trying to do this where I like actually say like, yo, this is producer. Like, mm -hmm. so I'll do one of those. Um, yo, what's up guys? This is producer, the podcast for producers. Today we are joined by Kofresi. What's up? Yo, yo, Kofresi. What do you do, man? Ah, uh, well, most people know me. And as I describe it as a, uh, a producer, <laughs> a performer, um, an educator in some senses um, when I'm doing my lessons and stuff and just a entertainer and in ways you could call it a DJ but I'm learning as I've you know gotten to this point it's I'm not really a DJ I'm more of a producer performer you gotcha know? yeah as if I was DJing it'd be more on the decks and um, I know a bit about the decks but even at age I've reached I never really dove deep on the decks you know I can run them a bit but I don't want to go to a club and be like bring up that USB loaded in like I'm more like give me that push pad in the computer and I'll, uh, I'll launch that set and make it good, you know? No, I get that. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll get into the live setup a little bit more like mm -hmm. the, uh, you'll see. We'll, yeah. maybe, we'll have Ryan maybe pull up some pictures too, but yeah, we'll talk more about that. But yeah, and, and to add to that real quick is also I'm technically a drum DJ is that what they would say is like I do add percussion and digital percussion and live sampling and certain stuff to the set. So it's not just a, uh, a press and play. It's not just a mix and mash. It's an interactive, like kind of engaging set where I can jam, I can do little free moments and I can also lock and make sure that it's going to be consistent and on point. For sure. So it's a mix of that. Cool. Well, we always start out with a fun question, okay. which is what was your first concert? Not like a gig you played, <laughs> but like the first show you saw. The first show I ever saw was my sister took me to see Fish with her XXX. The jam band? Yeah, the jam band at Alpine Valley. And 
it was also the very first time I tried a little bit of mushrooms. And um, I just distinctively remember sitting down on the grass and before the show started, some um, a man, a little bit heavier set, had tripped at the top of the hill. And I don't know if he was tripping or what, but he <laughs> fell. He was tripping. He literally tripped. He fell and he started to roll from the top of that valley hill. And I was just watching him just tumble down. It was like the cheese hill challenge when they chased the cheese. But he was just rolling and rolling and rolling. And I'd never seen that. <laughs> and it was then the drummer. I've never seen that. I know. And then the drummer comes out with a dress, and I said, "I don't know where I am, but this is kind of cool." And uh, it was a vibe. It was definitely like I didn't know much about the band. It was more the experience, and uh, um, it was interesting to see. You know, I'd never like experienced a bigger show in like a venue that was outdoors. You know, and I mean that was my first show, so I hadn't experienced any show. You are, know? And, are you still a Fish fan? Do you like the jam bands? I'm not not a Fish fan, but I'm not a fish fan you're not like gung-ho like no, i gotta go see no, grateful no. dead and no like. no I, I respect that but um no that's not my main thing like fish is cool but it's not something i'd put on and be like let's vibe out and let me listen to this for my a uh, day you yeah. know but I, even if they're playing a show and they're at a fest i'll, I'll probably swing by how old were you when this happened it's probably like 15 yeah i was, I was pretty young yeah and then i should I, to follow it up the second show was 311 Oh. It was kind of cool. That was badass. It was at it was at the venue in Matt in uh, Milwaukee. It's like oh the rave. It was at the rave. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember just being like, it sounds kind of bad here. <laughs> like I remember, like just, even at a young age, you're like the sound, sound is kind of shit. It was very like we're just like hollow and like wide and not the sense. I was used to listening to music and the you know the recordings and like hearing down and hearing Amber live were so cool, but it sounded yeah. very like spread out and distant and i wanted to feel close you know closer to the sound in a way and we were actually in the middle like close to the crowd but i remember some girl like passed out and these guys were just carrying her over our shoulders and she like went over my sister and i and i was like oh my god what the hell like she like had this just like she passed out but like i don't know if she was dead or not and it was like <laughs> a really scary interesting experience where i'm like i've never seen this either you know so it was yeah. cool not cool it was <laughs> It was a new experience. It was yeah. a new experience, yeah. And I was like, this is wild, you know? And then we did get a little bit of a crowd rush, and that was a little intense to feel people just pushing uh -huh. up against you and being like, uh-oh, I don't want to do that. So I quickly learned I don't like being in the You're center. not a mosh pit guy. No, I've never moshed. And I mean, even when I went to see Fred again at Lollapalooza this year, like the crowd was thick, and I went out, out oh, to the yeah. edge, and I was like watching from there. And even being on the edge, trying to leave that show was like gnarly. Like people just mushed together people are sitting down on the ground not letting people pass i'm like why are you sitting here like there's thousands of people trying to move mm -hmm. and even trying to get out it took me like 40 minutes to get out of that area being on the edge so i can't imagine if you were in the center of that crowd and you're like i gotta take these bathroom yeah that'd be a trick you know you might as well bring a porter potty to the to the set lala is notoriously dense very dense yeah it was kind of overwhelming honestly like it was cool but i hadn't been in years As it, when i was there in like high school i was like yeah. this is what i live for yeah now i'm like this is way too much but yeah anyway yeah i respect them it was actually really cool to see a bit of fred again and then lewis the child the sound design sounded awesome live mm -hmm. um and yeah and then there was this other band who was oh, i saw kendrick kendrick was interesting though because like he came out late which is like common for rappers I know, but like every song he would like stop for like a minute or two minutes and there was like mm. dead silence. And it was just like, y'all should like make some transitions or make this more of a show. It felt like here's a track, stop. I have not been happy with a lot of the the rappers that I've seen at Lollapalooza. Yeah. Like I've seen ASAP Rocky. It felt very like 
it's more like i'm here like you're here to see me but yeah like, i'm like you're lucky here to, you're lucky to see me yeah right exactly like and we're not gonna try that hard add a lot of like like sound effects yeah, yeah, yeah. To, and it's just and then they like won't rap or sing a lot of it i'm just like yeah you know talk about like when you hear it in the headphones the mixed produced version yeah and you're like go to see it live and you're just like what what is this that's how i felt i don't know yeah that can be an interesting experience sometimes bands can sound better live or an artist yeah, can sound better yeah. live like i actually yeah. think my project is a more um has more of a presence and more of an impact in the live realm because people really experience what i'm doing and like it can be kind of translated through videos like i mean like the sandman video which we'll get to did kick things off but like that yeah. still wasn't like the full experience you got to go to a show you know what yeah. i mean and especially now i feel like i've like really figured out like my shows and how to make them like cohesive and dynamic and multi-genre and all the stuff we'll get into but it's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah i want to at least be an artist that like i have a strong live show i don't want to be someone that's like oh he's cool he's got good music he's kind of weak though you know like because mm. i've definitely seen artists where i'm like they're beast producers i can name any names but then i see the show and i'm like yeah yeah you're like this guy cool. could have just listened at home yeah i kind of want to go origin story real quick but yeah the very start of that is mm -hmm. what does cofresi mean so this is interesting i actually had a funny moment at a house party two days ago so cofresi is my family last name on my mom's side mm. but a lot of people don't know that cofresi is actually a very well-known he was basically like the guy like there was a big pirate situation in puerto rico like it was like the hub like back in the uh -huh. day and there was a guy named cofresi the pirate and he was basically dude. like the dude he was like the pirate he did like he still he was like robin Hood. he stole from the rich gave to the poor he was executed by the government at the end of it but he like ran it he has a statue in puerto rico books about him i was at a house party two days ago and i met a guy that was puerto rican i'm I, so people know i am puerto rican a lot of people think i'm egyptian or persian let's clear that out I'm that is you do kind of look egyptianish persianish yeah. i have persian in my side of the Fire. family yeah but a lot of times they'll try to connect with me they're like you look persian let's be friends and then i'm like i'm not persian they're like fuck can't <laughs> yeah. be friends you're a mix yeah, yeah i'm a mix yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but i'm puerto rican and then i'm lithuanian polish a little bit of french and i was at this party and this dude like just had a similar vibe and i was like what are you and he's like i'm puerto rican i'm like no way he's like i'm half he's like yeah and then, um, he's like i'm lithuanian and like french too i was like no way i'm like that's my side and he's like what's your last name i'm like kofresi and he's like get the fuck out he was like no he literally got on his knees and was like you don't realize you're like fucking royalty the man. pirate king like are he, you related to the pirate i'm directly related to kofresi yeah but whoa i know and i need to like i need to actually do more and like talk about that with the project a bit more so i will like i need to make like some connection like i might have to make like a, a have pirate you gone <laughs> yeah you gotta so make a I yo gotta ho yo ho like i gotta use the flag i gotta bring in my pirate blood dude and, like, i just watched I pirates patch. of the caribbean yeah. the first three i don't know if it's like any good after that but mm. it's fun oh know? i being a, a pirate shame. yeah it's a shame that i haven't seen the pirates of the caribbean oh you gotta watch them that's like homework i know i mean they're they're good so yeah. have you been to puerto rico and like seen this statue and like gotten any more history no that's the thing i've been to san juan um with my mom i've been to puerto rico three times last time i was bit by a crazy bug and my ear blew up twice its size and i go to the hospital like so that wasn't fun and i was like eh, puerto rico's bugs you know like you don't do well with the bugs dude <laughs> toma yeah, told we'll, me we'll he's like we gotta year. make fun of covresi because we had this scheduled for last week he's like dude i got uh, a bug bite on my forehead we can't do this and i was dude, like you was know what real. yeah i was like you know what that actually is real because we do this on camera so yeah yeah so for those i am very <laughs> sensitive to mosquito bites and i was at a movie theater and as i was i think i was texting tom or something i just felt a pinch on my forehead and i was like no and it was like a mosquito big ass one just flew away 
and I knew I was like, fuck. And like no, two, yeah. three minutes later, I felt the puff and like, yeah, I didn't show you, but it was like, dude, like he just told me to rib you a little bit. Yeah, it was real. <laughs> so, and I was like, you know, I, you know, we shouldn't really care about that stuff, but I don't want to be on camera with a big old lump on I my get head. It. I totally understand. People are like, is he okay? Like, and I'm like, it's just a mosquito it's bite, a but mos- it, yeah. it looked worse than a mosquito bite. Like it yeah. was like, did he get hit in the head? Is so being abused. No. <laughs> so back to the like, you were in Puerto Rico mm. and like, so you still, it seems like you still got to kind of like unpack some of that if you want to make I that do. part of the lore, I guess. I do. I mean, that really sparked it. Like having people be so excited about it. Like I've seen this and that, but like, no joke. Like he was telling everyone at the party and they were like, no way. And He's I was a like, pirate king. I was like, well, I was like, where can I go in Puerto Rico where I can get a free, free dinner or something? Like I want to yeah. get some free food. If I like show them my name, they'll be like, you get like, so at least I would get rum and Coke because Puerto Rican rum and Oh yeah, working that way. But rum? I do need to go where the statue is, and I want to like. Do you like rum? I do. I don't drink much, but if I'm gonna have something, I do like like a rum and coke or like a really fancy mixed drink. Like I'm okay. like if anyone doesn't know Violet Hour in Chicago. Oh yeah, fire spot, very unique, very good. But I'm not hard like, to find. Like it's inc- a inconspicuous. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like Alice in Wonderland. You might stumble across the door. Yeah. If you find it, you're like, oh, I know what it is. But it's really cool inside. It's got this, you know, it's got this whole energy. But yeah, I think um, I, I just would like to go to Puerto Rico in the focus of learning more about Cofresi the Pirate yeah, and be like, I'm his descendant. Yeah. I'm like, I, I like booty. Have you ever like, seen that show where it's like they bring celebrities to learn more about their like family history and they're like, oh shit, my great grandpa might've been like a Nazi or something yeah. or oh, something sure crazy, you, you know well, what I mean, like that. As you're saying at the party, if you have a statue of yourself, you've killed a lot of people. I wonder if you look at the statue and it's just like a spitting image of you. You're just like, wait, what? It's just me on a horse, like with a pirate hat. Mm-hmm. I think he looks a little different, but like oh, he yeah. definitely, like there's similarities. He's like way shorter, because they were short I don't even know, he, he could have been a beastly man. He could have been a tiny man with a lot of power, you know? That's so true. you don't know. And I just know he had a pirate hat, a sword, mm-hmm. he ran stuff and he was, mm-hmm. uh, he is known. So, I mean, That's I dope. have a, co- a coloring book that I did fill out when I was a kid and it was Cofresti the Pirate. No and way. we still have that in my parents' house. Like he has books on him and like he's actually got some legacy that I need to dive into because it'd be cool to connect that with the project and like have something relating to it, you know, and play yeah. a show in Puerto Rico once and have like a pirate theme Cofresti vibe. Like, yeah, dude, that only, would be, oh, only rum and cokes, Ooh. only rum and cokes, yeah. I, I didn't think we would stay on the pirate thing for so long, but I was just going to say it's Halloween soon. Yeah. Have you done the pirate before? I've been Aladdin okay but that's not a pirate but um yeah <laughs> not but, a pirate also oh no i did i did one year when i was at, i went to DePaul for a half a year because i had a scholarship there and then it felt like high school again and i was like i'm gonna go somewhere else but i did for that halloween i did get a pirate outfit and i remember we did the bar crawl and i'm not even a drinker it was just a cool thing to do and uh basically i had a sword and just lost it really quickly mm. I just remember the sword being abused by people and i <laughs> yeah, was like i can't you can't can't abuse my sword and then like the eye patch was gone so by the end of the night i i don't i didn't look like a pirate i just looked yeah. like probably more like aladdin again with <laughs> yeah, yeah just I went normal back. yeah 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 because you had like a sash maybe or something who knows yeah yeah i have one where i was like an old man once where i like had this long white hair and i looked like a wizard and it was really cool that's cool i looked very i looked much more wise <laughs> I so i think we did enough pirate talk yeah um when did you so like a big thing you do in your live act which we were mentioning before is drumming on Mm -hmm. pads when did you start drumming and like getting into music production so there's actually a three piece to that what's the first part in terms of getting into drumming i started on piano like i was taking piano lessons and i will distinctively remember my friend drew i think it was in fifth or sixth grade 
I was at Baker Demonstration School and I went to his house and he had a drum set and I was like, what? I like hadn't seen like a nice drum set before. Um, or was this at Baker? This might've been fourth grade. Yeah, this was actually fourth grade with Drew. Yeah, so I went to his house, he had this drum set and he was just playing it. And I was like, that's badass. I was like, I'm here sitting piano with the white keys. I was like, he's hitting these big old yeah, circles. Yeah, that's loud. Like, this is not as loud. Yeah, but he was actually good. Like Drew was like, he was a prodigy for his age. Um, I actually haven't heard of him. I know he had like some stuff go down, but like for his age point, it was like he was a good player. And I was like, damn, this kid's got some, he could do rolls and chops and little things. And to see that, I was like, whoa, this is badass. And that was the spark that got me into drums. I asked my parents for a drum kit. They got me like a drum kit that was like your starter starter kit. And the, the, the beater of the kick was made out of foam. And we had a cat at the time and the cat ate the drum kick. And I was like, if a cat can eat my drum set, it's not a good drum set. So, was that so it wouldn't be quite as loud? Because like your kid asks you for a drum kit, you're just like, hey, no, they just were trying sure? to get, they're just were trying to get a little bit of a bargain, you know? Okay, okay. Um, they're definitely they didn't need to get a bargain, but my dad likes to find the deals. Yeah, and um, oh, he yeah. was like, this Me is too. a deal. My son wants a drum. I'm gonna get the edible cat drum head, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then I re I was like, no, no, no. And then I started taking snare drum lessons at Pope John when I was at this Catholic school. I'm actually more Jewish than Catholic, so I was just there for a little bit. But um, I was doing the snare drum, and I really liked that. And then they actually had gotten me a kit, but they were giving me piece by piece. So they gave me like the snare drum, then the kick drum, and then I was like, "No, you got to give me the full thing. I You're can't like, even I need play. some cymbals, some toms. Yeah. Let's go." Yeah, and then I just like I started taking lessons with this guy Dan um, and uh, Daniel Crane. Shout out Daniel Crane, great drummer. I mean, for being a high school player, he was throwing me onto no doubt. He was like, "Check out this, check out this." He was like, "Have me play the tracks." Immediately getting me into flowing with music. A lot of guys will start off with, here's left, left, right, 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 right. Like, here's all your paradiddles, rudiments. Great, that's essential. But, like, get people into the flow of music because it, it creates joy also for the player. Like, when you're playing a song you like, that's passionately, like, your body's going to want to gravitate toward that. So he would pick up songs. And I'm like, oh, that's a cool song. But I remember No Doubt specifically being a lot of music we played because it was really good pocket feel. And um, he would just show me some cool yeah. things. And he's like, I'm about to go to college, but I'm going to send you to my teacher, Kevin Connolly. And Kevin Connolly was, like, the guy that a lot of good players mm. go to and he like really helped shape me into like a good player. I got into marching band in high school and that helped get my chops up and doing that. And then um, I just started getting into bands. And uh, Were you playing snare drum? I was playing snare in marching band. I also did, uh, I did concert band. I also got into jazz band. Mm. And I will always remember this though, uh, shout out Ian Weinberger. He was an amazing jazz drummer in, in high school. He was like the senior jazz drummer. Um, and one day, we're in the practice rooms and this new kid shows up, a sophomore named Michael. Um, I'm gonna forget his last name, that's so bad. Michael, not Michael Wood. Mike, a guy named Michael, let's say he was Michael and he was from the gospel scene. He was a young church drummer and he mm. had those chops. He like, had chops. I'd never seen it's gospel chops. It's always the gospel chops, I'd dude. never seen gospel chops and we were all in the little shed room. Ian's playing his little jazz licks. He's like, I'm the best drummer in the school, which he was, he was the best drummer in the school. But then Michael came and sat down and started <laughs> chopping. I remember looking over at Ian, his face, he didn't know what to do because I will say, I'd realized at that point, there's white boy players kind of, and then there's like the choppers and there's like, not even putting race on it, but I noticed like more people I was around that were brought up not in the church, they played top heavy. They did a lot of their fills, just dig a dig a doom, dig a dig a doom. And like Michael came and he's incorporating his foot and everything, boom, kappa boom, boom, and it was so much more lively and full bodied playing. And I was like, I've never heard this, like what the heck? And it was like eye opening for all of us and it checked not, I don't want to say it checked Ian because he's still an amazing player, but it was eye-opening for him too. And he's like, oh, there's a whole other world that I wasn't aware of that's like 
gnarlier yeah. playing than what I'm doing. It was more, f it was still the dynamics, still the the subtleties, but more direct, more power. It was more like musical and the flow. Um, it's basically like you know, uh, it was a little bit apples to oranges for me to see that, and it was eye opening. And I started looking up gospel drummers: Aaron Spears, Teddy Campbell, Chris Coleman. Like that changed my life. Seeing those YouTube videos: Aaron Spears at Modern Drummer playing Usher's "Caught Up." The triplet fills like that insane. Like the, mm -hmm. any drummer watched that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the triplet fills he did that like changed everyone seeing that, and um, that kind of just got me into like different styles of playing. So I got into fusion, into rock more, and this and that. And then in high school, I was in a bunch of bands. I was uh, just playing in different styled stuff. And then I got into like the cover band stuff. I got like those gigs and was in like a fusion like rock band. And then I ended up in this like kind of like pop hybrid fusion band called Fly Phoenix. And that was an incredible experience where I got to like really have the full, like we get to play around and do different things in the city. And it was some cool guys with different vibes. And it was just like that. It kind of felt like we were in like a boy band in a way. Cause it was like, like the singer loved JT from Tim, like Justin Timberlake. You mm. would listen to Robin Thicke all the time and all these artists. Um, and then Nick, the guitarist was all into like the B-boy, like hip hop. And he was like a model dude. And then the bassist was like a model with his like style. So it was a bunch of good looking dudes. And <laughs> yeah. it was like, like people knew and then that. you're a pirate ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but no, but you're a good looking like, dude too. Yeah. <laughs> but it was interesting because yeah, there was a little bit of that. That was the first band and nothing against that where it was like, you kind of had to like, be cool you know what i mean and like mm. not be cool we were all super chill guys but like there was an air of like let's be cool you know what i mean and yeah. um and then from there i remember one day uh colin prob cause uh at the time he knew my sister and they were looking for a drummer for a project and he was doing some cool stuff and came to my parents place and was like let me see you play and he's like do you want a drum for me do you want to go on like tour or do this and that and i started working wow. at apple at the time and I remember he's like, we got this tour with a group named like Cherub. Like we had already done a couple of shows, but I got oh, to really? go. The first tour I ever did was with Cherub. Wow. And that was a wild experience to, as a first tour. Um, but he kind of opened me up to that world of like, you're in the city, but you can like travel and play, you know? And that was like, oh wait, this is really cool. And I, that was actually the spark that led to the Kofresi project because I was using the sit down drum kit, sort of bringing in like the push and like Ableton. And then one day I was like, what if I stand up? because i was like i'm not using my foot as much because i realized from the cover band why are we layering all these kicks like i would i was really pocketed drummer i wouldn't flam too much like die choice talks about flaming that's when flaming mm -hmm. is when there's a track and you're like off the track and the drummer's playing and it's like it doesn't sound good and if a shitty drummer is playing and you're giving a kick track and they're layering a kick it's going to sound like crap i could even i had good timing but i noticed it's kind of thick on the kick when we're layering a full kick drum over a full kick drum Oh yeah, and I'm like with electronic you gotta take music. Take out one of those transients, dude. Yeah, no, for sure. And when, with prob cause, I was like, these kicks hit so hard. I was like, maybe I don't need to play the kick. Maybe just launch the top stuff and do all the top end and give that visual still. Mm. And that's kind of what led to like some people were like, "Hey man, I like what you're doing back there. You ever thought about doing your own shows?" And then uh, at the time, this artist named Govinda, uh, my manager at the time, Aaron, wonderful dude, he got me this gig, and he's like, "Well, he actually saw me at that gig, and I, I basically I forgot how it linked up, but I ended up playing for Govinda." at this small venue and people were just like that's fucking cool like what you're doing and they're like you should do this as a more of a thing you know mm -hmm. and um i remember at the time i then did the sandman video and like i guess yeah, it's like say, leading to that yeah, but that yeah, was yeah. me realizing like how do i showcase this you know i and remember so, seeing that i went to columbia and like i remember somehow I, your dad taught at columbia he did right? yeah for so sure. i went to columbia too i mean yeah i swear I you were like around in the ether and yeah. um i remember seeing that video and being like dude because actually what was funny was i was sampling 
the like dum 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 like all of yeah, those yeah, pads yeah. are really easy to put on to yeah. individual pads yeah. and i remember i was sampling something and then i heard yours and i was like yeah this is way <laughs> cooler like because you had the live thing maybe like ryan i don't know if you're finding it but like we can just show people it yeah but, but we should definitely play the new version of the sandman yeah 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 so i mean to jump into that real quick is i did this salmon a while ago and it definitely like kind of set the trajectory going for the project it got a million views you said yeah i got over on youtube yeah i got well like, actually no on facebook too i remember that was a trip i remember being on tour with i was about to go on tour with autograph and no, i had yeah. been on tour with autograph because the drummer needed to take a break so i came in and got to go to like edc mexico and all this stuff with them it was Whoa, amazing and then my parents went to hawaii and they're like come to hawaii and i was like fuck yeah, i'm going to hawaii we actually my parents my dad used to work summer school every year as a professor and like props to them because they took us to hawaii every single summer of my life till I was 27. Amazing. So we used to spend two months in Hawaii when I was like three, four, five, then went down to a month. Then like every single year, literally till I was 27, I went to Hawaii. And that was I'm one so of those- jealous. Yeah, and it's like, it makes me sound like all privileged and stuff, but it's like, no, they worked their ass off to get us there. Like, so it wasn't just like, oh, let's go to Hawaii. Like, no, he worked to get us there. It wasn't just like, we're there, you know? Um, but with the- uh, uh, Sandman. Yeah, with Sandman, I remember I was on tour with uh, Autograph and we had this break. So I got to go to Hawaii for a little bit. And I was like, I remember dropping it in New York. Like I dropped it in New York, the video. And then I flew to Hawaii. And it was like, I was on my computer like commenting or doing this and that. And I don't know if it's because I was like traveling across the country, but it started to pick up so fast. I'd never seen a video do that. It like, within like the first day I had like hundred something thousand. Then it was like next day, 300,000. Then it was like four or five. And in I think six or seven days it hit that um, or two weeks. I mean, it hit a million. And I was like, what? Like wow. I'd never seen that. And I don't know if it was cause I was traveling, but it was like, <laughs> I don't think so. That does, I've yeah. never heard anyone talk about <laughs> you. Yo, when you post, you got to fly, fly across to the world. California. That's, yeah. That's the algorithm secret. Post in New York, fly to Dubai <laughs> in six hours. Yeah. yeah. If not, you're done. No, I'm just no I think it was just like a, cool piece of content yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like, i appreciate that yeah. it was actually done out of just like kind of more for fun jokey vibe but it wasn't supposed to be a serious thing i was like i'm just doing this for fun and yeah. it's funny that the things that you do more for fun become the things that actually help you out you know so not always but sometimes. so before we go into um playing the sandman track the new version mm -hmm. like a rehash we can talk about you know why you did that but like you're gonna be releasing a new project. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of what you were saying about the ones that are more fun. They're not, maybe you can take it. Yeah, I no, don't for speak sure. For you. Well, I've been honestly in this like super, just like dungeon creative mode, like last many months making a lot of music. And I had finished a bunch of new original stuff. Um, and I realized as I was playing a couple of shows, like I was always putting these flips and people would always ask like, you know, I put out Sandman, I put out Goat Yay, and like they weren't really out. They're like on, you know, they're not on Spotify, but yeah, they exist. Yeah, There's yeah. content for them. They're on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, whatever. Uh, actually, those ones aren't on Bandcamp. But the point is, I, a lot of people start asking about some flips. Like I would always play the banana song, like Tally Me Banana. Every sound checker, they're like, what is that song, dude? Like, are you putting that out? I'm like, no, it's just a flip I'm playing live. And then uh, there'd be a few others that I'd have in sets, uh, like Ray Charles Georgia, Stand By Me, Enya Only Time, like ones that I'd made just for sets. And I'm like, I can't really ever put these out, but like people keep asking and they're vibing so hard on them. It shows how can I put this out in a way? And we had finished all the originals and I started making for fun a couple more flips. I did like Under the Boardwalk. Um, I did, uh, what was, oh, the, uh, the Beverly Hills Cop 
um, just a few for shows. And I'm realizing, I'm like, wait, we got this whole catalog of these flips that have never been put out officially and they can't all go on Spotify. But what if I made a package that could come out that's like kind of like just like giving something that's nostalgic and unique to my fans and to people that just like music, basically making a, yeah, a, a, a flip like catalog release where it's going to be like 12 to 15 of these flips, like classic ones. I've a few I've put out that I've now remastered and then like six or seven new ones people haven't heard. Mm -hmm. And we're like, what if we just put this out as you can just grab it on Bandcamp or you can donate what you want. Some of them are going to be on SoundCloud, but it's not about that. It's what's well, about giving it to people, but the content I can make out of that. I can do really cool content for all these different pieces and have it that's part of shows, have things that go online and you know, even for reels on IG, like there's so many ways to hit this. And so even if they can't get out on Spotify right now, like maybe we'll get some rights cleared in the future, it can be something that I can just like contribute and give out of love and just out of like, let's just create and, and just listen to something that you might connect with. Like there's gonna be out of these like 13 to 15, we're gonna choose out of the 17, there's 17 flips I'm having to choose from. So it's a lot to like choose those 12 or 13 to 15 because we want to then put it on vinyl mm -hmm. and get it out at shows and give a percentage of it to uh, to a cause you know give some of it the proceeds to a cause so this is not just about i don't care about making money off this at all i just want to send some vibes out that i've never been able to get out and make it accessible for people they can just find something they'll be like damn he did this one like he what oh i love that song like he did this one like and the last show i played i played with uh Sack Squatch, awesome dude, really, really cool vibe. And I knew, I was like, this show, I'm gonna put a bunch of these flips in there. So I put a lot, I put like 10 of the flips in there. And it was so cool that after the show, people were like, bro, you did this one, this one, like that one, and that, you did that one. And it was like, this solidifies like the project, um, the momentary thing of going and putting these out. I'm like, people do vibe with this stuff. And it's not about validation, it's seeing how stoked they are to hear something that they recognize that's then flipped up and surprises them. Yeah. something they haven't heard before so it's nostalgia with refreshing new sounds and experiences that yeah they're just they're just fun and and i'm just stoked to put something out like that yeah you know, if that makes sense so yeah we should definitely run the same one i was gonna say a suggested name from mm -hmm. myself yeah co-flippy co-flippy <laughs> Co-flips. Co-flips. Co co that's not bad. Co-flippies. Co-flippies. Co-flips. We'll figure, yeah, well, that actually is not bad. I'll just call it Pirate Flip Collection. Pirate's Booty. You got to think of it as like, I always thought about it as like, you choose a name, like, yeah. who am I going, like, you're at the festival and you're like, oh, no, you guys are going to see that. I'm going to go see whatever. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. name. Like, you put it in that context, but I feel like that might be one of those ones where like, dude, the, just talking about like, all the best tracks dude like the co flippy mixes like i don't know anyway yeah, no, that for one's sure, for, for free sure. <laughs> and i will say like about the project some of them are, are are for fun like they're really fun vibe and like some of them are a little bit deeper and a little bit more cinematic and the sandman one we're gonna check out a bit of like it is a little bit more of that like deeper cinematic feel but it still is like a bop and then when the drop comes in you're like oh all your tracks like, all right. are like bops yeah. i will say yeah but it's uh it's definitely an interesting like hybrid of like um and to give a little more context to it it's uh it's actually a flip of this guy simil s-y-m-l he made his version of the salmon it's just him and piano and his voice for the movie sucker punch and i had actually just heard this actually my friend chloe showed me this and i was like this is next level and um i was like i need to do something with this so i took his song and like kind of reimagined it added all different parts and sounds and that's what this is so it's not like created from scratch it's the same thing as sandman but an iteration of sandman reworked into a much more like grandiose kind of piece and it's it's cool because it like 
yeah, it's something you can vibe out and listen to. And it takes a minute to like really pick up. So I'm like, if we listen to it, it's gonna probably be like it comes in, but it like yeah. grows. Let's but, get um, it. Yeah, you can. Can I talk over it? I mean, yeah, playing? we can talk yeah, over okay. it. Yeah, yeah. But you can try to play it. I'll be like, turn up. How's your, how's your volume? It's good. Feels good. Yeah. Okay. Piano part. And if you want to hear the music in this episode and what we have to say about it, join the Producer Discord through the link below. I mean, that one is like, it's not supposed to be like, oh, this big banger bopper. It's like more of a vibey one, but it, it is something nice to just listen to and kind of take in as like a, a different experience. You know what I mean? It's big so. though, in the sense yeah, that yeah, yeah. it's very I, I cinematic. Got <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. a little sweaty. It's <laughs> like when you hear something, you're like, oh, I'm hearing these headphones. It sounded good though. I was like, it sounded good. Really cool. yeah, 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 for sure. And that one I did play at the last show, it like bangs. When you hear the lows, it like bangs on a system, which is really cool. So it's not oh, yeah. just like. Has that one been mastered or it's just like pre, like, your master yeah i mean i might do a little more touch on it but it's kind of like i want Sounds them pretty clean i mean dude yeah they, they're basically like they're at point to like i could drop it out i mean like i could always do something this and that but i think where it's at i want them to be kind of not raw but like organic and like not like perfect perfect production they have that like grittiness in a way you know what i mean so if that makes sense no that makes so, sense yeah. do you do a lot of your mixing and mastering um yes i do a funny thing, do you guys actually have like a, a towel or not a towel, but like a wipe? It's got a little hot. There's actually one <laughs> right next to the base over there. Yeah. I don't, um, I didn't realize when you listen to your music, it does bring heat to your body. I didn't realize that. So I'm sweating a little bit. It also, this area, I don't have like proper air conditioning, so it gets a little hot in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah, the, yeah. in the winter, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's been a thing that, uh, you know, through the years, I've sent stuff off. And as of now, like, I want to play almost one of my, like, actual originals that we're going to be putting out because that I've really focused more on, like, the sound design and the mastering with those. And, uh, yeah, I have basically for this new project and for quite a few recent things, like Salmon was self-mastered, the one that did the best thing ever for me. Uh, yeah. The Modest Yahoo tracks were self-mastered. Um, even some of the cleaner stuff, like, there was the, the Westwood project, which is Illuminate, we sent off. And it was really well done. Um, I just wish I had known actually about this high Q setting in Ableton because when you have something on high Q setting, when you first put something into Ableton, it has a high Q on like some of the Ableton where I'd set it up. High Q is a setting that it adds a little bit of a high end like uh, zing and a little bit of what are they called artifacts to the track. So if you put a track in Ableton, it's got high Q on, it'll actually peak because it's adding these little tonal, like weird little things and you don't really hear oh, it. Oh, is that in the bottom left-hand corner? Yeah, that corner? bottom left-hand Wait, thing. what? Yeah, and so I learned this from Killsmith at Infrasound. I was like, dude, I put one of your tracks in and it was just constantly, yeah, it, it wouldn't, they peak. They peak. And then he's Wait, like, what? and then he's like, turn off high Q. And I was like, what do you mean? And I turned off high Q, didn't peak. So Wait, what is it? Do? So it's it, adding? It's adding. I don't even know the what? exact thing, but most people don't know this, like, high key will add this like and it's this little high end i always like, wondered what that was super that's some, so annoying dude and it and what's crazy is, is that whole illuminate project i remember like we took the masters and reprocessed something and they were all exported with high q on dude. but and but they were limited though so you're not peaking but they have a little more sizzle than i would have liked is it um like uh is it limiting or is it like soft clipping or hard clipping well we ran like like, like fab filter 2 was like running at the end of the chain so that was like kind of like having that like even though if it was being high cued and having that like little like zing of stuff, it was being like controlled, so it wasn't mm -hmm. peaking. Yeah, mm -hmm. but uh, that was interesting to learn. I was someone's just like, phone. yeah, someone's phone is on. I think it's my phone. I just don't know where it is. Oh, oh it's underneath the thing. It's my mom. Should I answer it and be like, I'm in a podcast, could, dude? Yeah. Put her on the pod. Yeah. Hello. Oh my God. Hey. Those were delicious. 
Mom, hello? hello. You're on a you're on a you're on a podcast Hi. right now. Oh really? Oh oh, listen. I just remember Sunday, Uncle. Your uncle Michael is coming with Elizabeth. You know, Sunday we're having a gathering here, just us. Not that's actually something to talk about, Magic Mike. Yeah, I'm actually glad you mentioned Magic Mike because um, he's someone that is very into the music scene and we connected with but mom i want to talk to you after this podcast we're actually in the middle of recording and uh you have now okay, left your imprint bye bye. okay bye i love bye. you I'll talk soon oh there's on it too i love you bye bye <laughs> that's a good moment yeah that's a good She's moment so for delicious. sure um so um, magic mike let's get onto that then yeah um real quick with magic mike he actually not real quick he's an awesome guy he uh how do i jump to this uh my sister did 23 and me with our family and she was like we have an uncle or potentially someone connected to us that's like another member of the that's family. like also a pirate not a pirate he's on my dad's <laughs> side no he's on my dad's side but i was basically playing uh, a show in new jersey and this guy comes up to me before the show starts and he's like i think we're related and like i was like what are you talking about and he's like we're gonna look into this but i think we're like of blood and i was like no way and my sister does 23 and me and finds out that yeah um, not to put anything on blast, but yeah, my dad's dad had an affair with a woman uh, during things and this child was born and they never really found out who it was and he has lived a whole life and looks almost identical to my dad and they actually met a year and a half ago and no, lo and behold, wow. he does magic for fucking music festivals. Whoa. Yeah, his name's Magic Mike. Yeah, and he what? does more than that. He like does like emceeing, a whole big thing. He's been in the scene for years doing radio stuff. He's had a deep career with it and like... Lo and behold, I did his uh, festival beard fest that year too. He like put us on the festival, wow. so that does was he, funny. Does he have a beard? No, no. The beard fest. Most people that run it have beards. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. But so, like, yeah. does he does magic for music festivals? I just want to. He's an like, incredible magician. How do you? Because like you know, you're yeah. standing next to a big stage. It's far away. You you might not catch everything. How do how do they run that? Um, he, the, especially at beard fest. I mean, it was definitely you could see what was going on in the stage. They had a few different magic acts, and like that was really cool because it was like the stage for magic was probably only like three to five hundred people, so like you could mm. see it. It wasn't like too far, and they were on mics and like okay, showing okay. things. It wasn't on like it didn't even be on big screens. It wasn't that big of a show. You gotcha, know, gotcha. But it was really cool to see that. And he's an amazing yeah. person, and we've connected. He's actually That's coming wild. into town on Sunday. That's and like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, trying to book Modest Yahoo and I for their other festival, and like that's just, a perfect transition. Yeah, so things, yeah. I was going to ask you, how did your Modest Yahoo collaboration come to be? That's an interesting one. Well, that, that I got to thank uh, Prob Cause uh, for leading up to that opportunity because I never would have met him if I had met with Prob and. We basically were playing Wakarusa. This is actually a great story. We were playing Wakarusa before Wakarusa stopped existing. Um, bless Wakarusa. But uh, we were staying in this hotel or a little tiny little uh, ding ding of a little uh, inn or whatever you call it. Is it an inn? What's like? What's below a hotel? Inn? Uh, motel? A motel. motel. I was calling it motel. inn. A motel. It was a motel for sure. And I remember just like waking up from this weird dream at like 6.30 or 7 a.m. We had gone to bed at like 2, but we had an early flight. We had to be out of there at like 8.30 or 9.00. So I get up and I was just like, oh my God, I want cereal. I don't know what it was. I just needed cereal so bad. So I go down to the lobby. I find the cereal, cannot find the milk for the life of me. I'm like, where's the milk? And the guy behind the desk is like, I have the milk. I was like, okay, cool. And he gives me the milk. I was like, he's the milk, the milk fairy. He's got the milk. So he gives me the milk and I start sitting there eating my milk and cereal. And then I'm with my bags. And lo and behold, this guy comes out and he's getting cereal. And he's like, hey man, where'd you, where'd you get that milk? I'm like, you get it behind the desk because the milk fairy. And he's like, cool, man. Thanks so much. And he's kind of looking at me and he's like talking about music. And he's like, 
you like minus yahoo and i was like what do you mean he's like you want to meet him and i was like what do you mean he's like oh he's probably gonna come down a little bit he's like i'm his tour manager i'm like really he's like he might need to know where the milk is so if you want to meet him just stay around <laughs> i was like word i was like that's cool like i knew him king without a crown i just listened to all this stuff i was like yeah. big fan for sure and like i had all my gear with me and stuff so anyway um i waited and like half an hour goes by and i'm like he's probably not coming down like that's just a thing that probably is not gonna happen and as i was like gonna go up to the room i remember i was like kind of getting my stuff together and the door go clicks open and a freshly awoken modest yahoo appears mm. through the door making his way to the cereal he grabs the cereal and he turns around and he says my boy told me you know where the milk is <laughs> that's a very true story and like i was like yeah that guy has it and he gets the cereal he sits right down next to me he's like what do you do man what do you do is here all your gear and i was like yeah i do this drum dj thing and i showed him the sandman video within two like two minutes of us talking he looked at that and he's like yo i'm playing in chicago you want to open up for me literally like within like five minutes it just all went down and then uh prop cause's manager came down and then colin came down and we all ended up hanging out and um basically that was like that connection point was made and um it turned into my first opportunity where like a few months later i was at uh city winery opening up for modest yahoo and that created the you know connection we talked about you know maybe working together at some point and when he ran into him again at Electric Forest, my friend Pat Riley, and uh, that was a wonderful moment too because he was with this whole crew and they were playing the the secret stage, like the wood stage. I forgot what it was like M, Marie, I don't know the name, but it was like a private big stage. And I remember his whole band and him were tripping on acid, and they were like, "You guys want to come jam?" And we we're like, "What?" And we were like side stage, and he's like, "We'll let you know if you want to come jam." And they were like, bring your shit up. Like, bring your setup up, Pat. Bring your guitar. So, like, middle of their set, they let us, like, walk up there. We met the band, like, Nissen on the drums, all these dudes. And I remember playing, and Pat was, like, crushing it. And I remember Modest being like, can you get a little weird for me? And Pat, like, started throwing his effects. And Modest is like, yeah, that's a fucking shit. And then Nissen looks at me, you want to trade? Pointing me at the kit. And I don't tell many people things this, but I got to play King Without a Crown on the drum set for Modest while Pat's playing guitar on that stage and like it was just a crazy experience pat's wailing on the solos and like mm. modest is feeling it and he's like yeah like let's link up and that led to me being able to go to new york and uh, make daylight with him which was the first track we did wow which was kind of sick and like i had to go out there it was was it during covid i don't think the first time was during covid maybe it was i'm like how oh, that, that's getting messy but like i went out there and worked with them that was not covid because i was there for seven days no issues um and I stayed out there and it was agreement like if you come out and work with me you got to make some music for me so like I've been mm. some production for him and just got the vibe out and then yeah it was really cool you know that was something that had to come out on our end because with this current manager they weren't able to like fully support it the guy used to work for you too and he's not with that guy anymore so he oh, wasn't yeah. he wasn't the most ideal figure and I don't care if he hears that because he was a gnarly guy to work with and they're not working together it doesn't matter anymore you know he was but cutthroat it very like. cutthroat he's like we were I mean if you're working with you too they yeah. just opened the sphere sphere dude. that yeah, was yeah, crazy yeah. and he was yeah. modest his guy at the time was just very cutthroat like this is modest and you're okay. a small guy you I have know? a this is like kind of tangent but yeah. you too how I don't understand and maybe I didn't grow up when they were more popular but yeah. they have just consistently lined up the sickest shit they're on everyone's yeah. ipod yeah. somehow you can't take it off You're oh they, like, they had a I deal literally can't take your music well, if you don't know i used to work for apple and that was during that time like they had a thing a deal come out where they were on everyone's phone everyone's yeah. ipad when you bought yeah. it i don't know who did that deal that's the smartest thing business-wise you probably ever heard they've they stayed relevant for from that yeah forever for a very yeah. long time and it's amazing yeah they're the first of course first people to open the sphere up like i wasn't surprised yeah. i was like my friend ben kovler runs gti who did book us for the butt tenders ball with sophie tucker that was so fucking cool 
Um, he's friends with Sophie Tucker, and then they were just at the Sphere. He was sending me videos of it. It looks absolutely insane. It looks like a looks giant, insane. giant version of the of the room in the science of industry, that theater that mm, covers you, mm-hmm. Omnimax. It's Omnimax, an, yeah, It's yeah, like yeah. Omnimax, but for like 10, whatever, but five, 10,000 people. Yeah, crazy. Way crazy. Yeah, 2023 crazy. edition, yeah. Yeah, it's super nuts. But yeah. very cool though. I was just like, this is mind blowing. And I would love to, I don't even care about playing there. I just want to see a show there. Yeah, I want to go. Like, I just want to see something, yeah. So That's, wow, that's a wild set of events with the modest Yahoo thing. Mm-hmm. Is he still swagged out looking with, the what are they called no he, he told Hasidic? us that whole story no he actually got out of that i mean he actually had a, a few unique psychedelic experiences that opened his mind up to realizing that he doesn't want to be constrained by religion or any type of lifestyle so does he have yeah. different swag he did he cut off his he had a whole he was a rabbit like super yeah, like yeah, the yeah. dude yeah you that know, was like, like the thing that i remember yeah. watching literally like mtv music yeah. videos before i went to school i was yeah. like this guy is this guy. sick and he, he told us when they were first touring he would have his rabbi friends come out and they would just trash venues he'd like dude they didn't get to party they would party have you like, seen those videos where it's like hasidic um jewish people and they're they like add in like hard in the paint or something <laughs> to them doing their dances and it just like goes goes off. it goes yeah, yeah so they yeah, were throwing yeah. down i mean like he had a run with them and then he's like i can't bring those guys over because they're a little bit yeah, wild they're so a little crazy but no he's gone through like a spiritual transformation now he's got family and kids and he's honestly a wonderful <clears throat> wonderful yeah. dude very very level-headed he'll give you his deep moment of focus he'll look you in the eyes and be like this is our moment and he'll just fly away into his other moments mm. yeah so you have to like catch him at the moment gotcha and that is what led to us kind of full circle coming back and I had this idea for Bob Marley flip and showed it to Pat Riley, who all was at the 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 the, the jam at uh, Electric Forest. And Pat was like, "This Bob Marley sounds like Modest Yahoo. You should get Modest Yahoo on it." Yeah. And low key like hit Modest up and didn't think he would hit me back. And he was like, "That's actually kind of sick. Let's do it." So I went back out to New York, made another track and put it out. And it's really cool. We have the the Bob Marley Modest Yahoo flip. And so we're not gonna play it here, but definitely go check it out. One of yeah, my friends cool sent it to me. Oh, didn't wow. know that we knew each other at all. Oh, didn't sick. know that okay. I know you like. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this is crazy. Like, what? So, anyway, go check it out. Mm-hmm. We can't play it because mm-hmm. copyright. Yeah. Um, it's cool, though, that just happened. I'm just grateful that that yeah. went down, you know? Yeah. And, like, even one thing I'll say in general, like, if you know, everyone reaches different levels of success. And even where I'm at and, like, growing toward, like, regardless of that, I'm so grateful for the cool experiences I've had. Like, I've had some really interesting things go down. And even, yeah. like, leading up to now, I'm like, have a thing with Frank Zumo of Sum 41, the drummer. We got to link up and make some music and that will come out in the future and ryan had a question about that yeah yeah dude um Bringing ryan something in. that is pretty interesting is that um you've had some cool collabs like, yeah really cool autograph autograph dude that one is my favorite oh which one the, the music video in one, the uh, helicopter hangar oh yeah that was cool yeah, yeah dude so rad what's the backstory behind how'd you get into a fucking helicopter hangar it's funny, when I immediately hear like any of those older tracks like that, I immediately will say I didn't know about Low End Resonance, and all those were just like, it's a great track, but like all the tracks pre that era, I was just running subs with like a lot of mids and highs, and I did not know about like gritty, like low end resonance, so like I will play those live, I don't listen to them that much, because it's a lot of just top end sound, I don't hear the subs, so like, yeah. not to even trash my own music, but I really wish I knew about like That's how, gritty like, resonance. everyone kind of makes that mistake you know what I yeah mean? so like i knew about low end and i was side chaining but like i realized like you hear bass music there's a lot of tonal resonance in like that low end layer where you can hear the the grit and the grime and, like the growl or the tone of the bass you can't yeah. hear any low end on those tracks yeah a lot of my music in the past because i didn't know i just was running subs without 
like harmonic resonance you know and right. they still bang but like i kind of have to like put a cap on like that was my past stuff and then i have the newer stuff you know but that track regardless is like a cool vibe um and to be more on track with the question uh so the autograph track uh it was actually interesting i remember hearing um and nobody knows they put out and i was driving on 94 and i remember hearing that track and i i think had started working with them or talking with them and i hit up michael i'm like yo can i get stems of that like i would love to flip that and he sent me stems and i just had a great time making it i wanted to make something that was like vibey but also for shows and they really dug it and they were like we know the perfect spot to film a video for this and i was like what we're like we have friends that have a helicopter hanger and i was like sick like let's do that <laughs> and so they're like let's get the guy to collab with you and did a full shoot I mean, they were chilling but yeah we uh got down and did this video at this helicopter spot and i remember like trying to skateboard in it and i got in so much trouble because i was like trying to roll a while i was like there's a, a whole thing of the helicopters and the planes and i was like skating through them and they're like absolutely not and i was like <laughs> but the ground is the smoothest ground i've ever felt like yeah. it was literally yeah, the smoothest so ground smooth. i've ever felt and i was like this is like skating on butter yeah and they're like stop and i was like Don't okay i was like fine but it was um, really fun we yeah. will talk about skateboarding as well for sure we'll, for sure. we'll, we'll hold that yeah um the sum 41 thing just mm -hmm. to touch on it quickly yeah I that was like one of the first bands like I remember my sister and brother were doing church choir and I would be sitting there listening to like in too deep and like such a good track yeah movies by alien ant farm and like oh my god that but so I gotta listen to alien ant farm holy shit dude I need yeah. to like die on some bands I forgot like I heard stained recently I was like oh that one song was sick like mm -hmm. there's a lot of bands that had huge impacts on us that I don't really tap into now but I love hearing stuff from them and just being like wow that had more of an impact on me than I realized, you know, like, yeah. even like Hoobastank, Crawling in the Dark. Oh, yeah. Da, 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 I was thinking yeah. more, uh, what is it, found a reason to be like... Oh, Reason? Yeah. Reason? That track's interesting, too, because they put that track out that people don't know, and everyone thought, like, pop music thought that that was their sound. The reason is you, and it was very acoustic-y chill, and, like, I watched their DVD, and they, like, go hard live. They and they're go like, off? They're like, we'd have all these, like, moms and, like, 13-year-old daughters coming, thinking we'd play a soft set, and we just fucking thrash, dun, 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 dun. and their faces in the crowd were just like what the fuck's happening? Like, wow. I thought I was going to see like Taylor Swift's guitar. And then it's like, mm. this guy's like screaming, you know? Yeah. So, but that's cool. The, you know, it happens. Yeah. Um, the sum 41 outed again. Let's Yeah. Go so basically, to... uh, I got on, um, this agency that was awesome. Prism. And at shout the out time, Prism. shout out Prism. Fucking awesome. Um, shout out Munchie. Wonderful dude. If you don't know him, you should meet him. Great guy. Uh, but yeah, shout out Colton as well. Yeah, Colton for both. sure. Go yes. check out their podcast. Yes, We've both. done wonderful dudes. Much We've love done for them sure. Here. Um, Frank got on that agency for a bit, and he was looking for people to collab with, and saw my project, and was like, "That's the dude." And like when I was in Colorado with Toma, we just got on a call with him. It was so cool. It was like literally talking to the drummer of this band that I've like watched so many music videos of, and he's just like chilling and had like an hour conversation with us. Didn't want to jump off. Was like, "These guys are cool. Let's talk and listen to some music." He did. It was great. And then we started this collab, and um. It's basically done. We actually have two versions of it. We have an original, and then I made a VIP already that he really fucked with, and that kind of is more what I would play in my sets. But they, he wants to pitch them both, so we're like in pitch process still. But like, oh, wow. just regardless, super cool. We got to go to their show at uh, what was it at the Tinley? Not Tinley Park. Tinley Park's a venue, but I think it was Tinley Park. Yeah, it might have been Tinley Park, but we like got to go see the full band, and like it was so sick. It was with the Offspring. Mm. They rip. Offspring is sick live, but like seeing Frank and them just slay. They're so clean, and they have all their songs so locked. I mean, they've been together for like twenty something years, yeah. dude. Like yeah. so much respect on that. Yeah. And like I was like, wow. Like, and it was just so cool. Like, have a moment with him, meeting him in person, talking about family, like life, asking about you know, drumming and different experiences, and the nicest dude, you know. Yeah. And then it's just cool. Yeah, I'm very grateful to have stuff like that you know and it's um 
just weird things happen you never expect you know so yeah it's part of it let's um let's go into like the live setup mm -hmm. and kind of how you do that and also you know you're talking about like djing and how you don't really do that and just kind of how that mm -hmm. plays into getting gigs and whatnot 100 percent. i mean we've actually gone through a pretty big transformation of i have gone through a big transformation of setups in the last year excuse me um I basically used to always run live percussion and I'd realize that a lot of shows, it's great for big festivals when you're playing a smaller venue and you're four feet from the crowd, a snare drum and cymbals are very loud and they're gonna overtake the music. So I started to realize, I was like, how can I still do my live thing but have drums that are maybe electronic but are still tonally real? And I started to dive into like acoustic, like what they're kind of called like acoustic electronic but not really, they're still electronic drums but Remo makes these amazing shelled drums, part of the EAD series of their digital kits and their actual like like I, I was using these two uh i think they're 10 inch snares on left and right of my setup and lo and behold they have the 10 inch shelled digital hybrid acoustic snare that you can then go deeper with and not just use the roland samples run these samples from drum tech that have so oh yeah drum tech has dude my buddy got the yeah. drum tech drums and i was like these sound real. crazy yeah. they sound like a real drunk yeah so what i wanted to do is how can i take the setup i have and make it into a digital format that i could still layer like if i play like a big festival i can add my real percussion and like cymbals and stuff over that but for a core dj set let me have my pad my push my computer and then these two drums on these stands that have the pd8s with the snares that can just pop up and be the quickest load and on and off so it's not going to like affect big changeover times and i can basically put these drum tech sample sounds in that the point of making about the drum tech is like when you hit a snare drum for it to sound real you have to have tonal variance it's not going to sound real if you have the same sound triggering every time yeah these sounds are so detailed that even the ghost notes when you're playing ghost notes there's a subtle tonal variance to every ghost note so when you hit it it's the sample there's a sub sample that changes tonality so your ear is hearing do you know how the tech works with that like, yeah it's just like a sample layer and in the drum uh, module it's got main a sample a lot and of samples like but no just reach snare like each drum has two layers it has yeah. the main sample and a subsample okay so even my symbols have main sample subsample and it creates a tonal variance that when i'm so i basically programmed this setup to have okay. real drum sounds and digital sounds and i can manipulate them and i can change eq and i can run effects which i couldn't do before with my acoustic drums and they're running through the interface and i've now played probably like five or six gigs with them and sound guys have been like that sounds fucking awesome. Like it literally the snares and everything, they sound so crispy and you can see that there's still like a drum. But what it allows me to do is I can be in that booth context. I can go play a show and be four feet from a crowd or one foot from a crowd and there's no quank quank from the drum overtones that are not in the mix. Everything running goes right into my interface in through Ableton, comes in with the music, blends over it. I, you know, take layers out or will EQ things from other people's tracks out to fit the drums in. And I can on the fly, you know, change the samples, the EQ, and I've never been able to do that. Like, I can't have a real drum and be like, I want to add a little reverb. Well, I could do that, but this has made it way easier. I can run, like, digital effects on them and change the samples on the fly or make preset kits. Like, it's opened up almost more opportunities and limited a bit because I'm not hitting as many cymbals as much. It's more like I can do, like, the edges of the pads as cymbals or, like, bigger tones. But it's been a newer discovery of, like, we make this more about the music and not as much about, like, yes, it's very important that I'm doing this live everything still keep that but make it more about the sound of the music you're hearing live and still get that percussion element you know over it and that's why it's like almost like the the power rangers type thing where like this setup that um the megazord <laughs> the megazord literally there's like different layers there's like the fundamental which is the fundamental of it is just my push the dtx multi 12 on my computer that's the fundamental then the next layer like if i have to do a show and not have any room i can do it on that and still do my push still do some drums the next layer is i add the two wings the wings have the two 
um, snares with the shelled bodies and then PD-8s that are lined up. And then um, what are they called? There's this other pad, LPD-1. There's this other like bar pad I use. So there's like these like two bar pads at the top. Then the PDA. Yeah, yeah, they're like because yeah. you can smack LPDA. Them. I'm like I'm gonna forget the name of them, but they're like is not it the I- Akai one or no? I actually have one in my backpack in the room, but it's it's the it's LPDA. I don't want to sound like ignorant about my setup, but yeah, it's it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. specific pads that emulate what I was using with my chopper symbols or different hi hat tones, and I feel very comfortable with it, you know. And at the same time, that's the second layer. The f- big layer is you take that same setup, a couple more frame points, you can have real crash, real crash, real tra- a real splash, real chopper symbol. So it could be like the hybrid kit, which I will use at some bigger festivals, where it'll be like, boom, and then it'll have this extra layer of real symbols and percussion around it. So it's like- What, what is a chopper? Oh, a chopper I know, symbol. I know splashes. So a chopper is like compressed layers of metal that go chick, 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 like they're kind of like have a, like a rotary shape at the top. It looks like a helicopter, like chopper type. Uh-huh. And they like are three layers of metal that collide and you can change the compression of how oh, tight they are. So okay. you can get a nice little tight hi-hat, chick, 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 or you get a chick, chick, mm. and they're called chopper, you chop, chop, chop. So chop, is, it a, is, a, is a hi-hat a chopper? Or that's a not technically because a hi hat you're controlling the open close of it. Yeah, yeah. Choppers These sit are on just top sit. Of each other. Yeah, okay, and you could you. like layer two choppers and do some weird stuff. You can do anything with drums. You like can layer those, things like up. some of the new people that are on Instagram that are like dunking stuff in water and yeah, like doing yeah, crazy yeah. Like stuff. Molasses and Gatorade make really cool <laughs> sounds. And I'm just kidding, but that that is really badass. Like there's a guy that does like sound effects to movies based on just like uh-huh. sounds of these drums and like. I'm not doing that, but I no, think no, it's really no, cool. no, I know, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's super cool though. It is cool, and uh, yeah, I love choppers, and it's funny. Part of my all my acoustic stuff right now is actually in my drum studio with like an actual drum kit because mm. I'm actually am practicing more drum stuff because I have some gigs on the real kit that I'll be doing, and that's my bread and butter. And I'm like, it's cool to kind of full circle get back to that. And so, is that full flex? Like the setup you were talking about, the last one that we were talking about. With yeah, the it doesn't chopper? it doesn't have a live kick drum, but it has like basically yeah, it's, it's the two tonal snares that are digital and acoustic i could even have a bodied acoustic snare coming off the left side and then i have my pd8s lpd8s top with bar pads and then i'd have two 16 real crashes and two chopper pads and like a tambourine and a timbale so it basically would be a digital hybrid. that's like the big setup. that's only when yeah. i do like the bigger show but so so when you're booking shows mm-hmm. you know obviously these gigs it's so easy to just bring your usb drive and plug it in Mm -hmm. and just be like okay that's that's an easy changeover but for you you want to be like all right this is basically set up i just got to plug it in like how do you kind of get around that well i I learned you know a lot in the past that you unless you have the time for it you don't want to have like a long changeover because then you're like the black sheep artist that's like everything stop because i need to set up which is still a little bit of the case, but not really, because I've learned to now preset the setup where I can literally go into a venue like I did this weekend. I just check my interface. All I need is the interface and the computer checked. And on the side of the stage, I can build the whole setup. And because yeah. I know how everything routes and links, I just blink, 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 plug it up. Within two minutes, I can just be like, and we're good to go. So I've kind of yeah. figured out how to check the audio and then make sure that's good. And then on the side of the stage, I can preset. And even if I don't get a check, I know that. I can get it set up where I can have it somewhat pre-plug and play that it is not going to take 10 to 15 minutes. I can do it within one to three minutes. You know what I mean? Because I don't Mm -hmm. want to be taking too much time out of my set or causing a dead space in a festival. I want it to keep the energy up. And then eventually what I can do too is like have the just interface and computer just to have a starter track that as I'm still dialing in, it can still be going you know but mm-hmm. i'd rather have it like set up before i start yeah but it is pretty quick as long as i get a stage hand or just one boom 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 and then worst case if i don't 
have the space, you know, I can then reduce. And even at North Coast, they had a situation where there was a right monitor. I could not use my right uh, wing of the mm. setup. I couldn't use that additional snare in the two PD8s. I had to just use the left side and then set up my pad on the other side where it usually is and put my push here. You had to yeah. you know, figure it out. Yeah, But luckily fly. I've had enough experience that I was able to be still be comfortable in that moment and still alter yeah. the set a little bit where I'm not hitting a couple of additional sample pads I want, but I'm still able to do what I want to do. Do you ever feel like it's a deterrent to have so much gear? Obviously, I think it's a more special thing when, yeah. when someone shows up with all of that it's like it's a gift and a curse i would say because um it's it's so much more fun to perform with something that i can interact with and be connected to but yeah at the same time i can't say i've not felt a little bit like damn when someone can just walk in with a backpack and usb and just plug in and then fucking walk away and just be like you know i did my thing yeah, so there's <laughs> yeah. yeah so it is like i respect that but i'm kind of trying to meet in the middle where like i used to do way too much and now i'm trying to do like still a lot but a little bit more uh working a little bit smarter than harder yeah, and, and going yeah. back to what you said in the start of this, which is, you know, you want your live setup. You you want to play a good live show. Oh, of course, yeah, for sure. You don't want to come in weak with that. Mm -mm. So I feel like part of that is, you know, showing off your skills and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. I think that yeah. I want to, but even as of now, like I used to be more of like, oh, I want to show off the drums and all these cool chops. Very important, but you can't do that for an hour and a half and have people be like, oh, it's all drums. Like yeah. now I'm like, I have those moments, but I want it to be more about the music and create a really cohesive, like multi-genre experience, which is, we haven't really touched too much on that, but I've really evolved into that as of late where I realized I've always made stuff in different genres. I'm not like making like jazz fusion and going into like dubstep, but I will, in the realm of electronic, I mess with everything from, you know, like down tempo, like some boom bap trappy type stuff, worldly music, D&B a little bit. I'll dive into like um, more like swag out beats and I'll go into stuff that's like more like dance latin hybrid and then stuff that's very housey dancey and i figured out ways that these new sets to really blend all of it in a cohesive way where you're not getting like blah splat of a million different genres there was like a story or like a cohesive experience of like we're starting here then we're going here then we're going here you don't know what's going to come but it's going here then we're taking it here bring it back down then boom surprise you then this and that so i like making it an experience where you don't know what you're going to expect but it's going to be something that feels like it flows and like that's been the biggest compliment of the last few shows i've played where there haven't been a million shows because I've been focusing on just getting the music, you know, before I get back out on heavier on the scene. And uh, speaking of which, Maddie O'Neill is texting us, wonderful person. And we are working on a collab as well. And um, hell yeah, she definitely, uh, she's she's driving on her track and she's going to be sending it over for me to uh, do my thing. So nice. shout out Maddie. Thank you for working on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, it's about the music and like I yeah. am focusing more on just creating a uh, a really special experience for shows. And, and as I was saying, the best compliment I got was that these shows flow and there was never a dull moment. Like I remember mm -hmm. Mport and like Spades come out to my show in Black Box and I never met Mport, but really cool producer, really big on sound. And he was like, dude, I've never seen you, but that was like so refreshing to see something that I didn't know where it was going, but it hit the spots right. I got, I got my bass, I got my weirdness, I got my like emotional i got the dance like it's all over and like i'm trying to encapsulate all that into like this unique multi-genre experience and that's yeah. also what the new original music is leaning toward is that you know not every song being full multi-genre but like some tracks like this track cubano which you might go over like that's like a perfect example of multi-genre because it's showing you you're starting here going there you're switching yeah. up i think you showed me this cohesive. one we went yeah, climbing yeah, yeah. one time i'm pretty sure we're listening yeah, to the yeah, car yeah. maybe let's run that one cubano. Play part of that one yeah for sure yeah, yeah. You'll see it kind of takes you on a different like space. Yeah, it's like starts here and then goes there. Oh yeah, yeah. This yeah, is this the one. one. Yeah. 
And if you want to hear the music in this episode and what we have to say about it, join the Podducer Discord through the link below. That was just fun because it just takes you in like a different space. You like think it's somewhere and then it's like, nope, it's going somewhere else. So it's kind of fun to, to experience that. The Cuban music, it's just so happy. Like there's, um, what's that one? Uh, fuck, I can't. Oh, Oye Como Va. Is that what it is? Oye, Oye Como Va. I yeah. think, yeah, that one, that one's just so happy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, it just makes me want to be in Miami. <laughs> anyway, something I wanted to talk about. Also, we've been going for a minute, so I feel like we can start kind of winding of course, yeah. this um, down. But before we got into this, we had a little like uh, fingerboarding session. Oh, and I know did, you yeah. also skateboard. How did you get into the fingerboarding? Because this is a love that something both you and Ryan yeah. share. And um, we were just informed that Ryan's camera's down. But, you know, Ryan's Ryan. here. You Ryan's saw him here. earlier. Yeah. Here. But anyway, he's probably yeah. going to talk. How did you get into the, the fingerboarding? Um, I think I was into it when I was like, young at first like i remember like having like some tech decks and building like some like cardboard ramps or something but didn't mess with it much it was like just little toy around stuff i wasn't like learning tricks or anything i pick up my finger and i remember seeing uh like when i first was like damn that's actually kind of cool there was this video on youtube was this kid named mike schneider he, dude mike schneider but then this other kid named some something bomb gardener i'm gonna look this up but he disney did a special on finger oh yeah i remember you guys disney, were geeking about this. disney has like a full breakdown of how to do the gnarliest tricks they literally did it the highest end like slow motion like capture it's this video series that i was like no way there's like high-end fingerboarding shit so i'm like watching these videos i'm like damn he's doing some kickflips and doing like gnarly trays like doing all these tricks i was like what and then i ended up being like where can i get a nice board like these are really good so i went on a search <laughs> i'm like looking on amazon got like a shitty one i'm like this ain't it i remember then finding this company called famous and shout out to famous decks because i was like these look sick the graphics i got one and like did the tape up and it felt so cool. I was like, whoa, I want to learn how to do this. Like, this is super cool. Like, I could do basic ollies. I was actually doing it with the wrong fingers. I was doing it with my ring ring finger and my pointer at first. I was like this. Mm. And then I saw these videos and this girl that was like a big YouTuber fingerboarder. She's like, if you're using your ring finger and your pointer, you're a poser. You're not. You're not really. You, oh, you got to use the middle you're finger. You're pushing thing. Mongo. You're pushing Mongo. And I was like, this girl's calling me out. And I was like, I got to fix my style. So I remember like I was in Colorado up in my sister's place and I really started to like practice it and learn a couple of tricks and it took me a minute to get like I remember getting a kickflip good it was like weird with the two fingers I was like how do I figure this out and I would get them some days lose them and then it really clicked when I did I broke my leg skating like I think like two and a half three years ago now mm. and I couldn't skate and I was like well I have some fingerboards let me get some fingerboard shit yeah this is pretty low impact yeah low impact for sure and like I ended up like seeing i think it was this guy roman angelov and then like nico fb on on instagram and i was like holy shit there's these dudes that have swag and like do these tricks and i was like i need to get into this a little deeper and it was honestly like during covid so sick to have like a little skate park in my place like, yeah you have like yeah. a skate park yeah well that was like a, it was like basic at first it was like just some um ikea furniture and i would take the little ledges off the, the legs off of the ikea black things or the white mm -hmm, ones mm -hmm. perfect ledges if you like connect them and i would like glue them put some ma magnets i had like a magnetized setup it was so funny mm. and that was so cool it was like a modular setup and then like i realized there's this dude like loft fb that makes marble stuff and this other guy uh 
he's actually an ex-pro skater. He was doing, Fabrizio Santos makes these incredible pieces. And I reached out and I got some actual like nice stuff. And I remember Black River, I got a half pipe from them. Like, so if you go to my place now, I've got a marble kitchen counter. It's got like these cool ledges and like these different things. And I've got like some other modular pieces. I got a full vert ramp. I've got a mini ramp. My favorite thing is honestly just this black ledge that I have that's like really high and long and it's just like perfect. And they've got like quarter pipe and ledges on the side. The little siding when they built the thing in the kitchen for like the edges of the counter, perfect height. When I put these ramps up to it, it's like an upper ledge that I can pop into and grind from one ramp to the next. It's hilarious. Like it wasn't meant to be built like that, but it's like the best little spot I've had. Yeah. It feels so comfortable and very therapeutic, you know, <laughs> like to learn tricks and the same process you've had with skateboarding where I'll learn something and that gratification of like, you know, I never could do kickflip crooked grind on a real skateboard, but when I learned how to conically flip the board so it lands in that like position to grab it and slide it, it's so cool the feeling of like locking something in and doing it well. And you can bring it anywhere. Yes. Think about how many spots are in the city. Think about how many spots are just in your oh, home. Oh, for sure. I actually found the first legit, I was, I was thinking of you, the first legit street spot I found outside was after the Cubs game with my dad and Chloe. And we were at the spot waiting for the Uber. And literally outside this diner was a window like ledge there's people like eating inside yeah, you're just like, no it was like the perfect cement with this long like four foot metal edge ledge that was just the windowsill and it's mm -hmm. for a diner and it is like the perfect ledge to just hit on and i was like filming i even put on my story like people are eating and i'm like doing like kickflip nose grind and then i did like a 540 flip like in the same line and it actually looked pretty cool and it was <laughs> hilarious i was like this is that real street fingerboarding I'm yeah like a badass now i'm just kidding but it was really cool to experience that and then be like oh little things i've learned now like to see those tricks in the streets like kickflip front nose like i did a tray flip smith out it was like really fun to apply what i'd learned and be like this is really satisfying now no pursuit of that in any serious form but like for people that want to get into fingerboarding they do have contests in germany where they have pretty high price of first place mm -hmm. i'm not nearly at the level of what these guys can do because they can do all the switch stuff and i can't do like switch heel flips and all that stuff but there's some techniques guys have that i will probably never learn but i will always be a fascinated you know, uh, someone that in, is involved heavily with it and will love it because it's always been there for me and it's something that you can always evolve upon and do. And you can do it anywhere. Yeah, and you can't break your legs. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, the uh, security doesn't kick you out for doing it either. Yeah. I did once, <laughs> like, I almost, I think I broke a nail once. Oh, yeah, okay. And I was like, oh my God, I broke oh, a nail. My nail. Yeah. Better no. than broken leg, though. Yeah, for sure. I did, like, try a trick and, like, it clipped the let and it fucked my finger. I was like, you can get hurt doing this. I was like, fuck, <laughs> fuck this. But no, it was actually pretty cool to, like, um, yeah, to, just to have that. And I, I love it. I've even, like, as of recent, I learned, like, impossibles into, like, tricks and, like, out of... And it just feels so good that impossible. I've been trying to learn for, like, two years. And so to, like, yeah. learn something, it's a very life lesson kind of experience with fingerboarding because you will try and try and try something. And you might not get it that one day. You might not get it the next day. But when you think about it and find out what you're doing wrong, you analyze what's not working and what you can improve upon. And then you make the right adjustments. And then you apply yourself and then you land it it's like the fucking coolest feeling and that's like life like we were gonna we're gonna try and try and try you know you want to work smart not harder but when you actually apply yourself and you make everything come together and it makes sense and it's still not working but then it finally clicks it's fucking awesome i mean it sounds like it's another practice for you yeah you know, it's for just sure. like a but it's more you know just something you do whenever you're just like fucking around oh, do you yeah. do you like make music and then like do some fingerboarding or like fingerboarding while you're making music? no i mean like, like i'll definitely take breaks and go like no yeah. I've, I've had like session i'll be three hours deep in a session i'm like oh i need a break and then like i'll go to the kitchen i'm like oh you got the lid and i like i'm like ocd with it though i won't leave unless i've gotten like one trick i was going for so i won't yeah. try the hardest trick like i'm yeah. like i'm not gonna try a tray flip crook i still haven't gotten those yet but like i remember i was really trying to learn kickflip crook nollie flip outs and that was like 
I, oh, when I was first learning fingerboarding, I almost missed a flight because I got OCD with it. And I, I could, think Tomo was talking yeah, about this. I couldn't yeah. get a kickflip back Smith and I was so annoyed with myself and I literally was like not leaving for the airport. And then I finally <laughs> got it and I'm so fucking lucky I did that because I would have probably missed my flight. And that was the first moment where I'm like, this is too serious. <laughs> and you know what the funny thing is about that? A big fingerboarder guy with, he was a huge account. He stopped fingerboarding and he made a whole post that had ruined his life. And it not ruined his wow. life, but he was taken away from his family, from his kids, from his work. And I understood because as good as that guy was, I can't imagine how much he focused isolated on some of those tricks. Mm -hmm. To do some of those tricks, you'd probably go nuts for five hours before you landed. Mm -hmm. And like, and I, and I remember asking him like, bro, like why? And he's like, when I asked him like, I've gone through that to myself with other things in life. And I've had a moment where I almost missed a flight. And he's like, dude, if you thought you missed a flight, you have no idea what I've dealt with. Like, I bet that dude's like fucked family shit up from fingerboarding. And it's like that to talk about the dark side of it. <laughs> but I heard, I've seen the dark end. Like this dude literally almost lost mm -hmm. his wife and his kids for fingerboarding. I mean, it's a, it's like, you know, some people might not really Understand get it, it yeah. but at the same time, it's kind of relatable to anything in yeah, life. Yeah. So little, yeah, it's like, you get a little too obsessed. You get a little too, like it could be, I feel like what's way more common gaming. You know what I mean? Like mm. you get way too into a game and then yeah. all of a sudden you're better <laughs> at playing World of Warcraft than you are in real life yeah. or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, so. You know, I, I, I've, I've loved VR for a while and like I don't play, I don't have much time right now to play as many games and it's almost like gaming is such a luxury to me. If Like I yeah. have a Steam Deck and the moment of my day when I get that 20 minutes or half an hour to play with my Steam Deck, I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like I take it as such a luxury and such a unique thing that I will work. Like sometimes I'll do it like, like I've had, I mean, you can play the Steam Deck in bed. So I've like woken up in the morning, like quick little session on like session or like a yeah. skate game. But that's not serious. That's not going to make me money. That's not going to do anything for me. That's going to give me joy. So I'm aware of that. So I'll do it for a moment and I'll be like, I have not touched this again until I get shit done. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, I, I feel like if I'm ever playing games at random, I'm slacking, you know? So I don't I play get, games I feel at that. random. I don't play. Yeah. It has, like literally I'll take like a Friday night to play games. If yeah. I'm going to be like, this is my night off. If I'm not going to go out, yeah. I'm just going to be like, all right. I'm not going to do anything, but I haven't gotten into a game in a while. Yeah. At the same time though, like if something is bringing you a lot of joy and like peace and it's maybe therapeutic, maybe sure. it's like regulating yourself. It's helping in different ways. Like that can be in a special thing. Cause I've definitely been down. Like we've all been down up and down. And like sometimes when I've been down, like playing a skating game or like putting on VR and having that experience for half an hour has literally made me feel like, Oh, that's so cool. I could experience yeah. that. And like, I feel a bit I better. I feel actually. that way with like movies or yeah. something. Like mm -hmm. I used to play like competitive shooter games and like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I can't just like casually pop into that because I want to be really good Yeah, and people will just get sweaty on you. So like, yeah. Well, there was one modern warfare game. It was the last one I'd played. I didn't ever get super into that, but I remember one, there's a scene in one of those where you're like, what game is it? still one of the newer ones where it's like, like a terrorist attack and there's like a kid and his child walking down the street and they just get fucking blown up in front of you in, <laughs> I, dude, it is the most I don't know that one yeah. graphic but i mean modern warfare is notorious Holy for just like shit. crazy stuff like, like that it was like chill and it's like showing like almost like the terminator scene where everyone's chilling and then they show the future i forgot what it was but like a yeah. car bomb or a bomb goes off and you see a woman and a child get blown up in front of you and, and that like, was like i'm trying to enjoy my day yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it was wild that i know those games are in some way maybe connected to the military where they're trying to get people in to be in the military mm -hmm. but like why would mm -hmm. it also like battlefield no they show the real shit of war like they'll be like this is gnarly like so they're like on it and off it in a way like it's like maybe you want to go shoot people but no, no 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 don't do that like look how actual the repercussions of the reality of this is like you're killing people yeah. you know it's like not in a game but like 
I almost think like to just do that I would over like to over. escape more than watch something that's like that. of course yeah. yeah and that's why like you know I will say No Man's Sky in VR they just did the foveated rendering update for PSVR 2 and I've been waiting for that foveated rendering is when it tracks your pupil like the VR now is to a point where the systems can track where your pupil's looking in the mm-hmm. scene and it renders 4k just at the pupil point so mm-hmm. everything around it if you look maybe look blurry but when you're looking at it it makes things so crispy in 4k and that's the whole reason i got a psvr 2 is to play no man's sky so the fact they just updated it a month ago yeah. i wasn't even touching it all these youtubers are like it's the best vr game ever now because it's a full universe you can experience and it go full 4k and i'm like oh my god like it's not <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah. it's I, i've only played it only like even after that update probably an hour and a half i can't wait till i have a day where i'm like i'm gonna play that for four hours i would love to do that that'd be sick yeah. but and but not feel like i'm slacking like you're you know slack. yeah, yeah, yeah i'm like you, you could can. be yeah you could be making music you could be working on something making money you could be making content yeah. but we have to be conscious that in this day and age like we're constantly trying to chase like be relevant this and that and honestly at this age like i've i have a lot of things coming that like in this very moment i'm not caring about being the most relevant i want to be like core to my craft and makes me that special and then come out with the power of like here's my content this and that but i am not posting every day right now i'm not on my stories or on instagram or social media every day and it's fucking refreshing because i think that like people are so caught in the momentum of like i have to be relevant i have to post every day it'll make you fucking crazy and they don't realize it but like it will and like you're not even living life or enjoying it at that point you're just thinking of what's the next thing to post what's the next thing to get other people to see for some of it's like cool to post, but a lot of it people do for validation because they're not happy and they want, they need some kind of like validation from people seeing their stories or their experiences. And uh, again, too, with social media, like a lot of, uh, we all know this, but the facade element, like I know some people, I'm not going to say names that I thought were freaking crushing it because they got a lot of numbers and views and I hit them up. I'm like, how you doing? They're like, I'm fucking broken. I have no shows. You know what I mean? And it's like, but you look like you're crushing it online, but yeah. the reality is you're not. And it's like online, you have cloud but are you making money are things happening no and it's like it's how do you then monetize that you know so a lot of people are figuring that out because it's a very interesting thing like i could go do streams and be on twitch and this and that but i haven't i don't have that core desire to constantly be streaming all the time i don't have like that thing and i might get back into that but it's got to be from a place of really wanting to you know and if uh there's other ways to kind of navigate and uh exist still with like other things than just being like look at my reel you know what i mean like yeah, and totally. that's what we've the industry's gone to just that it's like you're literally your social media and i'm i'm kind of like i don't think so so whether that helps me and hurts me in certain ways sure but like i'm still gonna succeed in different ways you know without yeah. that being like the core thing i have to do well you have a lot of dedicated people that like your music mm-hmm. and you know i feel like the real struggle is like the build and you've done mm-hmm. that so it's you know but i i totally understand what you're saying yeah well it's, i can give you the the, the the honest reality which i don't mind discussing is in the industry you actually have like a a three to five year timeline and if you don't pop off in those three to five years you're kind of stuck where you're at so the reality is i did get a lot of success but i didn't get to like not the point that i wanted to we're just actually COVID happened dude i had like yeah. probably the biggest lineup of shows over six figures in shows coming in that year all of them canceled literally had to like go back to ground zero like how do i like go back up and i'm still recovering but like things are fucking dope and i have a lot of cool things happening but it's been a choice to like continue this because i could have been like i'm gonna go into business or use my degree or go for apple again or do something that's like more lucrative but i'm so passionate about this that like i'm staying here and now we have all this music to come out and these different things and like the show's feeling so good i love performing i love seeing people react and seeing the energy that it's not about me being like Look at all the cool stuff I did. No, the, my favorite thing is seeing people vibe out on something that you made and sharing that energy and making it something that they can connect to and experience and be like, damn, they can leave that show being like, 
that was fucking sick. I feel so good. Like the thing when you watch a movie, you walk away feeling better. Like my mom jokes, she's like, you're doing musical therapy because you're giving people like that experience. And in a way we are, you know, some sets, like I've seen a set, like I don't know what artist, but it was like death chord, dubstep metal. And I felt like scared as shit. And I was like, maybe I don't feel this way. Like I felt more scared leaving that set than happy, but I still understood the energy. You know what I mean? And maybe people need that because they're dealing with that crazy shit. That yeah, gets, to get like, over Like metal, that. like it's like, oh, get that energy out, you know? So there's that yeah. different ways in music, but yeah, it's interesting. So yeah, but well, you got you to do what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I don't know who's making these rules about three to five years, but I feel like COVID kind of threw that out the window. And so mm-hmm. I wouldn't really. Yeah. Oh, no, no. There was a that was thing yeah. from like literally seven, eight years ago, like where I was at kind of was like, okay, there you're at. Let's see where we're going to yeah. go. But now it's like, I'd rather have a project. Who's using those metrics? Like, did someone specifically tell you that? No, there were definitely people in the scene that literally told us this. Like, I'm not going to say who, but people that work for bigger artists that are playing the game very well, that are top tier, like running it. And they're like, this is what's up, you know? Mm. Like, um, but at the same time, I've noticed that's for the short term and I'm not looking at my project as a short term. I'd rather be something that's like long term and not just like stuck in one specific area or genre because that can limit you. Um, and also, you know, help and hurt in different ways. But I'm also a drummer. I love performing with people. So I'm doing my thing. But going into this next year, I'm going to be having some drum gigs with people. I'm linking up with people that, uh, you know, there's talks of Prob Cause and I getting back together and doing some shows. He just came off of Grizz stuff. They're going to be going potentially back. We'll see what's up. But he has time to do stuff. And he's like, yeah, I don't want you. Because Grizz, you know, I don't, he's, I don't, I, he's like, I don't need you, but I want you. Hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's awesome. kind of cool. And I'd love to link up with him. Wonderful dude. And um, other artists too, you know, playing with Maddie or different people that I'm doing a thing for Pretty Lights After Party playing drum kit, you know, yeah. so I'm fully in my zone and I'm so excited with the music coming out. And there's so much of it. I'm like, I've got 16 originals and like 17 flips are sitting on. So that's like 30 something songs to like work with for now, you know, and beyond that, you know, yeah. and make a bunch more. So I now have the ammunition. It's about making the content and all these flips. I can't wait to make the additional content for this stuff because we're doing this one thing actually tomorrow with a drone with the the salmon. We're going to like start ground level at the city and he's going to pull out 45 second shot close and just a full pull out shot that's like going to have the whole city side. And I don't know if we're supposed to fly drones over the buildings, but for one second, <laughs> too bad. You, you know? Yeah. You'll, yeah. You'll so we'll be quick on a quick sweep, but like yeah. it, it I, I'm excited for the content to be made for these and just get this, these vibes out and then play the yeah. shows and then put out more original music and just keep that process going. And also I love education. I want to get back into, uh, or I've been doing, you know, little lessons on the side, but I have so many tricks and tats and I love helping producers, you know, with the section of, uh, with marketing I did, learning about the SWOT analysis. You know, I tell a lot of producer friends, if you want help, do a SWOT analysis. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are your opportunities? And what are your threats? And strengths and, and break it down into music, like what are you good at? Weaknesses, what are you bad at? Opportunities, um, what do you want to achieve? And, we, and threats, what's holding you back? You know, so it's like, you can break that down to different levels and people have all different variations of that. Like what they want to achieve is this, but like what's holding them back? I don't have time. I don't have the creative output. I don't, I get stuck on my ideas. I can't figure out how to make a kick drum sound good. I can't figure out side chaining. My synths don't sound like they move. This sound sounds boring. There's no life to it. There's always ways to fix all those problems. And I feel like that's where I've gotten to is I'm less solving problems and more just creating. And that's like the best place to be where it's like, there's always still little things to fix, but I know how to solve them now for the most part, like 95% maybe in a song I'm working on, I can fix everything for hopefully for the most part. But, um, are you, are you looking to teach 
Like, is that something? Yeah, I mean, my ultimate, I, I used to do chess wizards, which was a after school program where they would teach chess to kids. And I actually had it during the year where they'd have these four to six week to eight week programs where they'd take kids that want to selectly learn chess. And I was like, why does this not exist for music production? And I'm like, I actually have this full thing where I'd be going to schools and kind of creating the chess wizard vibe where it would be an after school program where we take select kids from music programs that have instruments that want to learn how to take their instrument and apply it in a production realm. And they'd be learning about music production and Ableton and things that you don't learn off the bat that people don't talk about till later on. Like off the like bat. Like high Q, dude, no, I didn't know like about that. Immediately side chaining, like EQ, <laughs> yeah, 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 resonance, yeah. like working with like delays, filters, effects, like limiting things that I didn't learn till like months and months in. And these mm -hmm. kids, like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, could be getting this stuff early on. And like, it'll only be something like they're all on fucking video games and just playing around. Oh, they'll you figure it out. You market it as something that can be engaging and something that they can learn from and then be more inspired to take their instrument or their vibe to the next level. Like, it'd be so cool to inspire kids and find, like, I went to Baker Demonstration School. And if I do it, I'm starting there because all these math, art, science schools, they want programs that do this. And it would be something that is very educational, but very engaging and very, uh, just something that you can dive into if you already have an instrument and you want to take it to a different level, whether you're a drummer, saxophonist, guitarist, bassist, like you should learn these tools because you will go into high school being a fucking badass. Like I can go, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that'd be sick. So I do have something I want to grow toward and ultimately have a system where I'm like, I'm running it and I have like five producers going into different schools and like doing things like it's a, it's a system and I don't even mind if people hear this and get inspired because it's a big market open out there and there's so many different towns and cities like go do it in your city. I'm gonna start it in Chicago. There's yeah. already people not start it. There's people doing this, but yeah. I want to hit it a certain way. That's like kind of a vibe. So yeah, um, I'm excited sure. about that. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, and also just teach people in general. Like I just love, I just don't have as much time, but if people want some lessons or some insight or track insight, feel free to hit me up. I'm all about that. What's so. the best place for people to hit you up for something like that? Uh, honestly, on Instagram message uh, or email, it's usually the best. Facebook, I'm not on as much. Um, or just meet me in person. Like people at yeah, the last yeah. show, come to my show. They were like, bro, I want to learn something from you. Like you teach lessons. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'll hook you up. And this kid's like, no way I can take a lesson from you. Like, yeah. If, like, I mean, I'm not doing it all for free, but like, you know, there's, yeah, there's yeah, a certain yeah. thing we can talk about that. But I love helping. And uh, I think at this point, as opposed to just focusing on myself, it's a lot about, you know, giving back and contributing you know sure, and that's what i want to sure. do as i don't just want to be a taker i want to be a contributor for sure out the good vibes well let's wrap this guy up yeah we, i feel like i've like sunken down further since <laughs> yeah yeah i always it's think like, i'm always adjusting i gotta come back up <laughs> yeah there we go oh, um look at my chin so we started with what was your favorite concert oh i'm messing you up i'm sorry no, no, you're good you're good yeah that's yeah good. um so we started with your first concert yeah but what was your favorite like this changed the game concert oh i know what changed the game uh seeing zed's dead at congress years and years ago like i mm. actually first got into electronic music didn't know much about it. i heard seven lions that changed my mind i was like what the hell this is awesome his remix of the of um what is like above and beyond oh my god that first remix mm. he did was crazy he's so good so good and he's got more of that big room house stuff i'm not as into it but it's all good he's, he's doing his thing making bank so it's like props to him for coming up and then adjusting to what's going to make you you know more lucrative so uh but seeing yeah i went to see zed zed at congress and hadn't really seen a bass show yet or and it was uh it was adventure club a cruella and zed's dead and my friend stratus was opening it up so i was like this is so sick and i actually didn't show up uh till zed's dead plate i missed everyone i don't know why but it was like getting there I had my first time to show the highway was crazy i was like what is this and um i remember walking in as they were playing adrenaline 
mm. and hearing I that, that bass yeah. go like and yeah. feeling that it was like a drop but it was like a riser the whole drop and like feeling that bass yeah, yeah, yeah. lift up it felt like my whole body was being like picked up and i was like i've never felt that 311 and fish they didn't do that like <laughs> this is whole different experience and it felt like the whole crowd was in this like trance of bass and i was like what the fuck like this is amazing yeah so i realized like bass music's dope but i never really became like a bass producer i mean like i, I definitely can do a lot more bass synthesis and sound design and just creative bass sounds than i've ever done before but i never came up as like i'm making this bass from scratch and all the resonance and oscillators like i didn't start with that i was more like yeah. sample based like kind of in the flamingosis realm but not at all flamingosis but sampling yeah. and doing my own drum parts and and I got into deeper sound design of like, let me customize these sounds. Let me really get deep with it. I don't want to use any samples. I want to make my own stuff. So it's all a process, you know, but I started not, and I've never really been like, but I love infusing bass into music, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's in a lot of the stuff. Tracks we listen to have good, healthy bass. Yeah, no, they're, they're healthy. Like, I mean, if you yeah. play them live, they're going to have that low. Like I want to, yeah. I want, I want them to be thick regardless. You know, they're, yeah. they're thick. It's funny hearing on these headphones. I was like, I haven't heard them on these headphones. They don't sound <laughs> bad. They just, I'm used to hearing it on like different things. And I'm like, it's cool to hear them in different contexts and they still ring out. So it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool, man. I, I really appreciate you coming through, man. This no. was a lot of fun. I don't know how long we've been going, but it's been a minute. Yeah. Um, what, you know, where can people find you? Um, I guess we'll just go through that really quick. You can find me in Chicago. No, <laughs> you can find me um, in a few places. I'm on Spotify, Cofresi. Um, I am on Instagram at Cofresh. It's funny, I actually would love to get Cofresi, but it's some kid with zero followers in Uganda that used Cofresi and we can't get the profile. Like really? The beginning. I yeah. kind of like Cofresh. I do though. like Cofresh. So Cofresh, uh, you'll see it on Cofresh on Instagram, Cofresh. Um, SoundCloud, uh, we got Facebook, which I don't use as much. Facebook's kind of doobie doobie because you can't post multiple videos. You can't do so much that you can do other places. Yeah. So I really, yeah. I, I don't, and my Facebook reflects that. It's not like the pop in this place, but I don't really care um, right now. And um, uh, yeah, SoundCloud and Bandcamp, we're going to be getting more stuff on that. The full flip package will be out on that, which would be really cool and some vinyl stuff. And um, what else is there I'm missing? Um, that's MySpace. A, that's a pretty good. If you have one. No, I don't know MySpace. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah no, I was no. going to say. Um, those are the mains. Yeah, I feel okay. like I'm like missing one, but not. Yeah, Spotify's not got that. Any, yeah. uh, any shout outs? Uh, shout out to Toma, my manager. He actually did, did the podcast with you guys and crushed yeah. it. Um, I was like, that's dope. We Very do that insightful too. human being. Wonderful guy. Um, just really has been coming to the project last year and helped me carry into like a new vibe we got an amazing new agent adam payne who's been crushing to get new opportunities everywhere we got john which is prob causes old manager coming into the team he's been here for a little bit now and he's crushing it um and then just different kind of pieces like here and there from people that are like kind of just helping in the background so there's a lot of background work like i'm here talking but like they're in the background getting all these things together so i'm like making the music but there's a lot more people don't realize you can't you can do it yourself but you can't do it yourself it, it's a team effort and i think that having guys like that that I really can trust and feel like they're like helping me as opposed to like, you know, no one's really worked against me, but I really feel like they're like helping, you know, and they're making the right connections and really understand um, what is going on. Like they know how I operate and it's just a comfortable situation. Big shout out to them, you know, hundred yeah. percent. And shout out to my parents, my sister. Of course. Um, shout out to my great friend, Chloe. Uh, shout out to you guys and uh, people that I'll be one that inspires me. You know, um, there's a lot. Shout out to Magic Mike. Shout out Magic Mike. Yeah. Shout out Kofresi the Pirate. Shout out Kofresi the Pirate. And um, yeah, there's always tons of shout outs, but those are like the ones that come to the T in the yeah. middle. Yeah, so that's cool, what's man. up. Thank you. Dude, thank you for having me on. This is super fun and um, yeah, yeah. super cool. So I appreciate it. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.
Have a good night. Peace.